Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. If you want to help out and do something nice, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below. That said, our first story of the day is by NT Engineer. Demand for training time leads to no work getting done. So this happened to me a bunch of years ago. I read a similar story to this a bit and it triggered a memory. I thought it was funny and I thought I would post it here. I was working at a company who was always big on development. Training for this, that and other things. Thinking of new ideas, etc. At one point, they came out with a new policy. They wanted all people to do at least 8 hours of this development a week. And in turn, our work product hours would be shortened to be 32 hours a week. They felt this would benefit the company long term. In reality, our CEO had read about Google doing this and thought it was cool. The problem was, all the project managers had due dates for their projects. That didn't include me sitting at my desk thinking for 8 hours. They expected me to get my stuff done, and I was already working more than 8 hours a day on average. And I wasn't going to work more. So I ignored the new policy and kept doing my work. A quarter later, my manager comes to me with a report. He said he was sorry to do this, he thought the new policy was BS too, but the report showed that I had logged no time to development in the last quarter. So I was being advised by him that I needed at least 8 hours every week in development or I would get in serious trouble next quarter. Cue malicious compliance. So every week after that, for 4 hours over my two busiest days for meeting, so it pretty much filled the days. I sat at my desk and read technical guides, watched computer-based training, or just thought about things. Often, I would go into the data center and hide in a corner and think about things for four hours and then go back to my desk. Then it would mark the time as development and go home, usually because it was the end of the day. I was covered for this because the policy said it was okay to do your development away from your desk so that people didn't bug you. They even suggested the lunchroom, bad place, or outside when the weather was good. It was really goofy. While I was thinking my phone would go off like crazy with people looking for me, I'd get texts that there was some emergency that I needed to deal with, but I'd just ignore them. After all, it was made clear to me that development time was mandatory, and I'm thinking. After two weeks of this, not very long indeed, my manager has a meeting with me and a project manager. When will these tasks be done? I tell them the end of next week. But you said end of this week. Yes, but I've been required to take 16 hours of development time over the last two weeks, plus the eight I take next week, plus all the meetings I have to do, so it extended the schedule by 40 hours approximately. The project manager was not happy, but he couldn't say anything. So lo and behold, some of my coworkers saw what I was doing. They had been putting in the 8 hours to the tracking system, but either not doing it or doing it on their own time. But they started following my malicious compliance. You can see where this heads. Pretty soon, all projects are behind. Quarterly internal report comes out and hooray, 100% participation in the development directive. Oh, and 0% of our projects were delivered to our customers on time. So now we have customers really pissed off. Project managers pissed off, managers pissed off, VPs pissed off, etc. All because quite a bit of us worker bees decided to do the development directive and think for 8 hours a week as was asked. It wasn't long after that that an email came out. 
They were happy with the results of the last two quarters of the development initiative, and they'd now decided to analyze the data and determine if it was a good fit for the company. Thank you for participating everyone, but please get back to the way we used to do business. That's how myself and a bunch of my coworkers got rid of our development initiative. This is by far an obvious terrible thing, but if they're going to beat it down your throats and say, hey, you do this or you're going to get in trouble, well, don't threaten me with just sitting around thinking for eight hours. If you were told that you had to do this, but you knew that it would make your work get extremely late and you'd probably have to answer some questions later, would you lie and say you did? Or would you actually take that time to do it and shut everything else out and let it kind of solve itself when it becomes apparent it's a terrible idea? Let me know in the comments down below. Our next story is by Das Conde, new dress code for the ID department of one person. The backstory, father-in-law works for a heavy equipment manufacturer, highway-making equipment, machines for gold and gem mining, etc., The machines aren't really relevant to the story, only that they're big and scary enough that everyone's very strict about safety. Well, almost everyone. This company has one IT guy. He does everything from web admin to the ID badges to the printer isn't working. So obviously he needs an office with a computer. Only problem is most of his job is keeping the ancient assembly line machines on life support so he's constantly on the factory floor fixing error code TI-86 on machine C-137, etc. The problem? One day, one of the VPs of butt-kissing decides to leave the plush veneer of the C-level suites to enter the plebeian office and takes great offense to the IT guy wearing jeans, boots, and a high-vis vest in their strictly suit-and-tie office. Protests about his job duties fall on deaf ears, And since the IT department of one person doesn't have an official C-level officer, VP of butt-kissing decides to write a new dress code for the IT department. Suit and tie at all times. No exceptions. IT guy shows up the next day in a suit and tie, tries to fix an error on the factory floor, and rightfully gets turned away at the door for lack of safety gear. He spends a few days in his office goofing off while the errors on the factory floor grow and grow. The fallout... Finally, around 3 a.m. one night, big production line X goes down. This is a huge contract for the company. The company might go under if this client goes elsewhere. As such, emergency procedures state all C-level execs and even the owner must be notified immediately if this line stops at any time for any reason. So, the upper echelon of the company, including VP Buttkisser, assembles in the boardroom to prepare their firing spree. Around 5am, IT guys order to go to the boardroom, where they really lay into him before they fire him. Threats of blacklisting him in the industry, threats of lawsuits for damages, etc. Of course, there's the condescending, now what do you have to say for yourself? Question. The mic drop He unfolds a few pieces of paper from his pocket and puts them on the table in front of the owner. This is why I have to wear a suit and tie no matter what. This was my objection because I have to do my job properly. This is the safety officer refusing me entry for lack of safety gear. And this is the record that VP Buttkisser got my emails but never responded. Not a pin drop or cricket chirp could be heard just the faint ruffling of pages as the owner read. Finally, he spoke, Your so-called dress code is officially revoked. VP Buttkisser is no longer allowed to have any authority over you. 
Please put on safety gear and fix machine TK-421. The rest of us will stay here all day until I'm convinced that this problem will never happen again. VP Buttkisser kept his job. He was very good at his namesake, after all. But he was transferred to VP of a division that didn't exist and a workforce of only one, himself. Rumor has it, he's related to the owner somehow, but at least his self-righteousness can't ruin the actual work being done. To me, this screams of like a manager that doesn't actually do much. They're like, okay, well, I guess they'll finally take a stroll down to the pleb levels. They see the IT guy working in actual working gear. Probably had a big old light bulb that was like, yeah, let's spiffy this up around here. I can say I took inspiration from the top of the top and made sure we look nothing but the best around here. Only ended up causing a major firestorm. This next story is by DramaGuy23. Whose turn is it to feed the dog again? This is a story of malicious compliance at my expense, enacted by a spontaneous collaboration between my dad and my sister when I was a kid. It happened like this. We had a dog. She was nominally the kid's dog, because we'd been the ones who pleaded and pleaded with our parents to get her. But as in many families, a lot of the work of caring for her devolved to the parents. Kids will try to get out of as much work as possible. But where my parents absolutely drew the line was feeding. Feeding the dog was the duty of me and my sister full stop. It was the one ironclad certainty of pet care in our lives. So being unable to push off the work of feeding the dog onto our parents, my sister and I fell back, naturally, to trying to push the work off onto each other. Every day was a running debate. Whose turn was it to feed the dog that day? Who fed her that morning? Who had fed her twice the day before? These questions were energetically litigated and re-litigated every night at feeding time. Scenarios of the past were proffered and denied. Often, my version of events would be countered by my sister with, That's funny, followed by her version of events. Much more time and energy was spent trying to get out of the work than would have been required simply doing it. And all of this happened in shared family spaces to my parents' growing frustration. Finally, one night as we debated, my dad had had enough. Enough, he said, and then glanced at his watch to get the date. Who feeds the dog on even-numbered days? She does, I immediately barked out. That's funny, she started to counter, but my dad cut her off. Very well, today's an odd-numbered day. OP, you feed the dog. I could only stare slack-jawed while my sister smirked in victory, and off I went to feed the dog. Now, here's where the malicious compliance comes in. The more able students among you will notice that choosing the odd number days is objectively worse. A lot of months end with the 31st, immediately followed by the first of the next month, so having odd numbered days means that multiple times a year, you end up feeding the dog two days in a row. The first time this objectively uneven, pun intended, situation arose, I tried to protest that it must be my sister's turn to feed the dog because I had fed her the day before. No dice. But you insisted that your sister has the even-numbered days. It's not our fault you claimed the odd-numbered days for yourself. And so I fed her two days in a row that time. And the next time, and the next. We got that dog as a puppy, and she was still going strong when I moved away for college. I think I stuck myself with over a hundred extra feeding days over the years. This is one of those things where you look back at it and you're like, yeah, I had one totally pulled over me. But then you think about the dog and the time you spent with the dog and all those good memories and in the end you should probably be like, hundred extra feeding days, it was worth it. And our final story of the day is by Shamrock Shake Yum, need help to do a flip? As you wish. 
I was recently reminiscing with a friend and remembered this tiny story that might fit on the subreddit. When I was about 12 years old, my mom used to put me in a martial arts class near our house, cause she needed to work. It was judo, and since all age groups were mixed and the class was too small to really split up, we often had the kids do an hour and just watch while the adults did their hour. The teachers meant well, and you learnt a lot by watching the older students train. Anyways, we had two teachers, the master and his highest ranking apprentice. Master had a son, Michael, who attended all lessons since he needed to babysit him anyway. He was about two years older than me. One day, my mom called me to tell me that she can't get me at the usual time, and I should stay an hour longer. This happened frequently, so no biggie. Michael and I were the only kids today, so we grew bored quickly. To shut us up, Master put a big soft mattress in the corner of the gym and told us to just slide it around or jump on it or something. You know the ones, about half a meter thick, really soft and bouncy. We complied and hopped around for a while. Out of boredom, I started doing rolls and flips because why not? Michael was apparently not a fan of that, and try as he might, he just couldn't do a flip. After some sulking, he got really angry at me, told me to stop flipping around and showing off. Since he's the teacher's son, of course I stopped. He jumped and fussed, but he couldn't just get that height to completely flip, always landing on his back. After many failed attempts, Michael got a bright idea. Why not flip from the side of the mattress onto the floor? It was about 50 centimeters from the ground. That should work, right? But he hesitated. Kinda high for a jump on the floorboards, huh? Then he ordered me to help. How, you ask? Well, I should hold his hand so he has something to hold on to when he falls. I said that'll never work because his hand won't rotate. You'll rotate it, he says. You'll hurt yourself, I say. 14-year-old brain does not compute, and he threatened to tell his dad I hit him if I don't do it. Can't argue with that, so I gripped his hand tightly, sitting on my knees on the mattress. He was standing at the edges of the mattress, gathering all his strength for one mighty jump. And jump he did. To his credit, he actually did a front flip and landed on his feet. He couldn't savor his victory though, because while he did a front flip, his tightly gripped arm unfortunately did not. And that is the story on how I dislocated my judo teacher's son's shoulder. His dad was livid, but apparently believed me when I told him it was Michael's idea. His son was crying and screaming, but fell on deaf ears with master either as punishment or because he didn't want to risk calling an ambulance and getting in trouble, he just freaking relocated his son's shoulder right then and there. That crunch when the sockets realigned still haunts my nightmares. Fortunately, the other teachers convinced Master to still call an ambulance. Thank God. Never seen Michael again, since I quit that martial arts class because of unrelated reasons, but I imagine him being a front flip master by now without the need for hand-holding. Honestly, like, I can only imagine being in that kind of a situation, and like, I think I would have nightmares from it too. Like, holding that hand, watching them flip, and knowing you just like, witness them totally dislocate their shoulder right there in front of you, probably their hand still in your hand. It's a little bit of a heebie-jeebie moment. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. 
Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher.